do the So Wizards podcast. This is Kevin Broom along with co-host Ron Oaks Cunningham and old co-host and uh, this new guest, uh, Ben Becker. Uh, ben, welcome. Ron, welcome. What's up, fellas? Thank, thank you guys for having me. I feel a little bit like, you know, the Ivana Trump to, um, to Ron's Melania. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I don't know Ron well, so I'm not trying to call him a Slovenian prostitute. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a little awkward. But um, no, all, all, all kidding aside, uh, uh, great to talk to you guys about the most fantastically mediocre uh, basketball franchise in the NBA. Are they? Are they actually? It's only mediocre? awkward because of the phrasing. We could just say it's three dudes ready to talk about some. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of hot, Ron. There's a there's a lot of history here. As as I told you before, Kevin hit the record button. Kevin and I have been complaining online about the Wizards for literally 20 years. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of pent up frustration and bitterness that goes into this, but we're going to have a good time today. Fair enough. Let's do it. Yeah. Talking about mediocre is a lot more almost mediocre. Maybe mediocre is more fun than, than watching it, I think. Um, yeah. So I thought today that, you know, we can, we'll talk certainly about the team, but really I think what we need to talk about and what the Wizards need to be talking about is big picture. And that is the strategic direction that they have chosen is clearly, you know, when Tommy came in as the, the new GM, they, they chose as their mission, as their strategic direction, that they were going to build around Bradley Beal. They would treat Beal as if he was their superstar, their cornerstone of the franchise, the guy. And they would try to build around him and win as much as they could. Um, and I guess, you know, see if they could see how deep they could get with, this, with whatever they could put together around him. And I think the question now is, should they stay that course? Should they continue trying to build around Beal? And if so, what do they need to do? Or do they blow it up and, you know, trade Beal, trade um, whoever they can, all basically all the guys who are over 26, trade all of them, um, get whatever you can in terms of draft picks and young players, and then, you know, lose for a few years, get a few high picks and hope that you win, or do you choose something else uh, entirely? So, uh, you know, uh, ben, let's go with Ben first. Uh, what, well, do you, what do you think? Strategic direction. Well, yeah. So, you know, that's always what I'm interested in. I'm, 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 you know, aside from like watching and enjoying the individual games, I'm always like, I'm always thinking about the big picture, especially as it relates to the Wizards, because, you know, that's all, it's always been the discussion is sort of like, well, what's the actual strategy here? And um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, last season and this season has been very clarifying because what we saw was Bradley Beal last year averaging 30 points a game playing with Russell Westbrook and they started super slow and then they ended super hot and they, you know, made the plan and they made the playoffs and then they lost the first round and they were just, you know, that's kind of the NBA definition of mediocre. Mm -hmm. And then this year, it, you know, they, they make this trade, they trade, they make a fine, you know, very smart deal in, in getting off of Westbrook and trading him for, for, for decent depth. Um, and they get off to a fast start, you know, whatever, they're 10 and three. And now, um, but Beal's played 
for him pretty poorly all year long, still shooting 28% from three, which parenthetically is amazing for a guy who was compared to Ray Allen coming into the league, but that's kind of, that, that's a sidebar. Um, and they're 500 and, and pretty soon they're going to be under 500. And so, you know, they'll go, they'll, they'll be around 500 is my guess for most of the year. They'll maybe end up a little above, a little below, but, but what I have seen is very clear evidence that there's not a lot of upside on this roster. Um, that, that, and that, and that, you know, Beal at his best doesn't make this team close to a contender. And you have to look at the fact that he's 28 years old. So kind of past the age where you can expect big jumps in improvement. And you're about to have to pay him um, a, uh, a super max contract that's going to, um, that is going to take up whatever it is, 35% of the cap. So it's really going to limit your ability to build around him. And when you just look at that, the, the math of that, it, it's going to be really difficult, if not impossible, to build something sustained. And I also look at the roster right now and say, okay, you actually have marketable pieces. Like the Wizards aren't terrible. They have veterans that people will want. And I think that like with a series of trades, they could restock the cupboard um and and put themselves in a position to try to get good for a sustained period of time and i think doing anything else at this point is is irresponsible so like i'm in favor of uh tanking selling him like getting him up out of here it's just uh like to free him like i was watching a clip a batman dark knight rises i forget i think it was dark knight rises and um, Selena Kyle tells him, you owe these people nothing more. Like, you you don't owe them anything more. And then he, he chooses to, you know, die the hero, if you will, by staying. He's like, not yet, and all that, you know, bravado. I'm hoping Brad doesn't do that. And I'm hoping Brad goes to Tommy and tells him, you know what, I don't owe these folks anything more. Um, they're beginning to turn on me, which they are. Like, you know, they're basically, I mean, you two don't think he he's a number one. I don't think he's a number one. I think he can be a 1B, if you will, like in the right environment or with the right players. Kind of like last year, uh, Russ was the number one, just not in stats. Like uh, Bill was 1B. So, but in any event, to, to get back to the point, um, I just think one thing, I guess, like stops that from happening and it's because he, he can be a free agent this year, a lot of teams are not going to want to uh, even entertain a Wizards call. So unless there's a team out there who, you know, fills their one, one move away, one swift move away from challenging for a title where they're capable, like they, they want to, I do like, I guess, do a six month rental, if you will, then cool. But then you also have to consider what does that team have to offer us? Like perhaps if Jamal Mary was good and the Nuggets had other players, Michael Porter Jr. coming back and some first round picks would have, you know, gotten it done because Bill on Denver, um, you know, Bill and Denver, like he could push them over the top if they were like fully healthy. But other than that, like what teams who would take him on in a trade with, when the possibility of him leaving in six months, send us something good back. And so I think that stops against us. So uh, with that said, I think what likely will happen is we're going to ride this, uh, you know, collection of mid until we can't ride it anymore. 
Um, I hope they lose, you know, way more than they win so we can be in a hunt for Paolo or, you know, one of the young kids in the G League at night. And then we just sign and trade him in offseason where he'll likely want that option to fit into someone's cap space. Because, again, like I said in the beginning, you have to think who will take him now. Perhaps Boston. What if he really doesn't want to go there? Like, will they give us Jalen Brown for a six-month rental? Like, I wouldn't. Like, I will wait into the summer to see, you know, for him to give me all intentions. This is where I want to be for the next five years of my life. So I think um, with those two, I guess not two, with that obstacle in a way, we're stuck with this, man. We're stuck with this. So one, one, of the, one of the real challenges is that the teams that would be, like, the most likely to want him are also the teams that have already gone all in, right? They've already made the big trades, uh, you know. Milwaukee gave up three firsts for, for Drew Holiday, um, you know, it, and, and so on. The Lakers gave up everything to get, uh, well, Anthony Davis and then to get, um, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Oh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, that guy. So it's like, yeah, I mean, Denver theoretically, right, could, could be interested. But what does Denver have that the Wizards would really want other than a whole bunch of draft picks, right? Yeah. Um, Philly would want him, but... Are the Wizards really going to want, say, Ben Simmons back? I don't think so. Um, at least not with how Tommy um, and it goes about, you know, how he values character, for example. Um, I, I don't think that they would be interested in that. So are there other players with Philly? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, like I say, Boston, I think Boston would be happy to pack up their whole bunch of trash at the end of the bench and some some yeah. picks and trade that. But they don't, they don't, I don't think they want to break up Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. You know, so, they could add Beal, then that's nice. But, you know, the thing is, the, the point we've talked about this for a little while now is that, you know, I think Beal is like a, a two or a three on a championship level team. It's like you're not going to build. There isn't a, a general manager in the league who can try to build a championship contender around, say, Chris Middleton. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. So, yeah. and, and, and that's I'm, really what and, we're talking about. Yeah. And, and, I like and what I'm, and what I, I, it's funny, I was uh, arguing on, Twitter earlier this week about it. It's sort of like that happens I, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good nature arguing with my man Domo. Um, yeah. And and I, I I made a Drew Holiday comparison. Obviously not stylistically, but it's sort of like, hey, you know, you put him, uh, you know, with a with a mediocre supporting cast or bad supporting cast, he's going to be on a bad team. You put him as the third option with Giannis and Chris Middleton, and like he will he will help win you a championship. Yeah. So, so Ron made, so you guys both made some really good points. One is when you look out at the landscape, there isn't that like that obvious destination right now where maybe there was a year ago, whereas like maybe a year ago, Golden State would have given up um, a package that, you know, they're, they're not giving up now or someone like that. So, so, so some of it is, um, you know, what's out there. Um, I, I, Ron, I, I wonder if we were watching um, Dark Knight Rises at the same time because I, I remember that exact um, moment. Um, but just to be clear, like I, I love Bradley Beal as a player and as a guy, and yeah. and I actually think that a lot of Wizards fans who do would be happy to see him move on to a better situation. Um, you know, I will never forget when Beal was a rookie and I took my kids who were very young at the time 
to get his autograph at the Walmart on Georgia Avenue. And I was just like blown away by like, let alone the fact that he was a professional athlete who was about to make millions of dollars, but like, it's just a very kind and self-possessed 19, 20 year old. Like he's just super sweet to my kids. You remember stuff like that. Um, it is interesting to me though, that like Bradley Beal does wear number three because he grew up idolizing Allen Iverson and so, so I, I wonder if he would, if he would like to go to Philly, it, you know, your point about Simmons is, is taken, Kevin, like the Wizards might just not, just might not want him. And, 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 and Ron may be right. And that actually may work in the Wizards favor from the standpoint of there's not a lot of cap space out there this summer. And so the, the way this may play out, if the Wizards decide that they don't want him is to sign and trade him somewhere. I just, you know, you you wonder what that does to their leverage to get, to get something back. You know, the other thing is there's just, there are always surprise situations and teams out there. It only takes one right offer. So like if I was Memphis, would I trade, you know, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks and, and Biller and two first round picks? I probably wouldn't. You know, I'm I'm probably happy with my timeline, but 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 maybe they would, and and so um, it it just takes one. We've been following the NBA long enough to know that there are surprises, crazy stuff comes out of nowhere, and 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 I just think that you know um, the Wizards desperately need to be honest with themselves at this point about. They don't need Beale to be mediocre. And by moving him, they may have the ability to get good. Yeah, this yeah. is what you just said there is something. It's a point I definitely wanted to, I want to underscore that is that whole being honest with uh, themselves. Because part of what I, I wrote a piece today, I did my PPA update and I wrote um, a little bit about, about kind of on the edge of what we're talking about. But one of the roles that the front office has to do is, and is that they have to just like ruthlessly evaluate their players and be really, really clear about what the players are, how good they are. And I don't really have a sense for whether the Wizards front office truly believes that Bradley Beal is an elite player in this league that they can build a, like a com- competitive team, a title-level com- team with, around, right? Or whether that's just marketing fluff and they know, but they, they just don't have the options to bring in the, the, that alpha, you know, the, the, the elite star, right? Yeah. So, you know, because it's not like every team can, can just go out and get an elite player, right? They're, they're, they're pretty rare. And so, well, I, you know, I mean, if you're just, but the, the problem is that if you are pretending that Bradley Beal is an elite player, it, it creates a cascading effect throughout the rest of the, the rest of the roster, the rest of the team. And that is that you make different kinds of moves. Instead of trying to make that home run move to get a, a, a truly elite player, you're bringing in a bunch of mid to role players to say, okay, well, if we get the right set of role players around him, maybe we get we can win and all that kind of stuff. When the problem is, is then everybody's playing up a level, right? That you've got Beal, who is really a two, he's playing up, but he's being treated as a one, right? And then you've got like Spencer Dinwiddie, is theoretically your two when he's really like a four or a five on a, on a good team. And you've got like Harold, people chanting MVP for him when he's just, he's a good six man, right? 
You've got like Daniel Gafford, who should be coming off the bench. He's starting. And, it, you know, you know what I'm saying? It just sort of cascades. You've got Kuzma, you know, but now he's under 20 percent. But uh, usage, but you get the point is that all of these guys are up roles, playing up in role. Like KCP is your starting small forward. He should be coming off the bench playing some shooting guards yeah. and small forward for 20 minutes a game, right? He shouldn't be starting. Sometimes <laughs> that works. Like, and so on. And like I say, it goes through the whole roster. And sometimes, like that playing up, like to a level, they will actually like redound to the team's credit. Like consider Denver, like using um, Jeremy Grant the way. Um, that they did, you know, it, it, it allowed uh, Detroit to give him money. And now he's going to be worth like a first round, like first round, maybe also a second round pick for a contender to come get him because of, you know, he had that opportunity to play above punch above his. Hold on. Just, just to put a quick pause button on that, because at least in my numbers, you know, my, my PPA thing, Grant is basically the same guy. He's just using more possessions. So his, you know, his counting stats are higher. His per game averages are better. Um, because he's playing more minutes and he's taking more shots, but he's yeah. like that classic sort of just average mid. Yeah, but he, the point and is, he's like, just getting a lot of opportunities. You know? Yeah, the point was he he was like uh, Denver's three, and then he's Detroit's one, and now Detroit will be able to flip him for like yeah, a some, somebody pick. might overpay for him. Someone will overpay for him. He he has like he's a great number four on the championship team. Like maybe uh, I think like Phoenix should try to get him or something like that. Like. You know, those type of teams in that level, like, okay, who do we need to give LeBron some problems or Giannis some problems defensively and then score some buckets? But anyway, like, getting back to it, it's like, yeah, um, if, you know, OKC once pulled off a heist to get Paul George. Okay, all right, so OKC pulled off a heist to get Paul George, um, didn't think it was possible. He, one year rental while we sent, like, Presky do all of that. So we can possibly, like, it happened before, to Ben's point, like, this is the NBA. It only takes one. It could happen. Just more to the general point of like, do you think it's time to blow it up? We won't blow it up into the summer. That offer, you know, a couple of first round picks, some good solid players returning to us won't come into the summer. And selfishly, I'm hoping it's from either Boston, sign and trade, bring Jalen here if they're willing to like move in a different direction. But more realistically, it's going to be Denver, man. It's going to be Denver, Michael Porter Jr. Because in these type of trades, when you're when you're giving out like a top twenty player, usually you want something. Okay, you want picks in return or at least two players who could potentially be like top fifty. Like OKC sent out Oladipo, who put up fit like put up good numbers, playing as the you know above his weight, playing as the number two to Russ's, you know whatever he was doing that year because he was on one and he wanted. Um, I think he won MVP with uh, Oladipo as his shooting guard. And then Sabonis, like a young talent, okay, in the right system, we can develop them. So we'll we'll want some of those players back. And then you have to look at the landscape. What teams actually has that? Not a lot. Like um, you talked about, Ben brought up um, the Memphis Grizzlies. I like Dylan Brooks. Kevin's not a fan of Dylan Brooks. Like I, I really want – I would take defender. Dylan Brooks, uh, Desmond Bain. I would take them both in a pick for Brad. Like I would. Like I would. Those two in a pick – um, let us be mediocre this year, get a good pick. Who knows? We can have something cooking within four years. But um, in terms of like, okay, so Memphis is one team, Denver's another team. Looking out there, there aren't many teams who can offer us something that we would even want. So I hate to say it, but Brad really does hold all of the chips. In a player's league, you kind of want the team to have some leverage like, well, 
you know, I think the odds do for Bullets Forever was like if he doesn't sign on the dotted line by this date, let's ship him out. Well, no team wants him. No team's going to offer us good players in return. The better option is to do this. Continue shouting MVP for the sixth man of the year. Let us continue losing games. Uh, continue having Gaffer being a rim roller with someone who can't get to the rim. Betty misses Russ, uh, by the way. Quick aside, if Russ was still here, Gaffer would average double digits and everything. But he's playing with a guy who can't get downhill, can't get him easy lobs, can't draw two, create power plays where he can get easy finishes, typically what most centers do in the league. So let, let's ride this out. Let's lose 25 more games or so, go into the lottery, lottery with a chance to get a good pick, ship Brad in the summer, get you know some young players, replace this mid that we have, ship them off somewhere else for contract fillers or whatever it may be, and then start to rebuild and let Tommy – really have a chance to build this team the way he wants to. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first thing, just as an aside, I think that there's a next to no chance that the Wizards would take Michael Porter back as a, uh, as a, as a primary piece in a Beal trade, given his medicals coming into the draft and that he just signed a max contract and promptly had back surgery and is out, out, out for the season. Um, and he just I, got his third, third, third actually, yeah. COVID infection. Yeah. I, I, look, um, I think the, the 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 timing of the, the uh, this is going to start somewhat in some form or fashion, or it should so start in some form or fashion before the deadline because the Wizards have this, you know, they, given the fact that they've committed to Gafford and he can't be traded for a year. They've also got Thomas Bryant and Montrezl Harrell on expiring contracts. They are, if I would guess, if I had to guess, I think that they will choose to send one of those guys out before the deadline and try to sign the other one this summer. And you would think that there are going to be conversations with agents beforehand on, you know, so they have a sense of what it would cost to sign either. You know, I think that Harrell, given the fact that he's been healthy, he's 28, you know, probably got more value on the market than Bryant does. But on the other hand, some teams say might might say, you know what, we want Bryant's bird rights. He's younger. He's 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 bigger, you know. So so those are the types of uh decisions that Tommy and company are gonna have to start making before the deadline. Um and, and I just um look we've Bradley Beal is is not a lot of things, but um I, I think that the market for him is going to be robust when when he is when he is available. Um, and you know, will the at the end of the day, will the offers be as good as what they would have been a year ago or a year and a half ago? I, I would think not, but 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 maybe we'll we'll see. Um, but you know, I I, I I sense some pretty strong agreement. Uh, a consensus amongst the three of us that that this team as as constructed is not something worth you know in investing in you're there, we're better off with a little bit of short-term pain or even a lot of short-term pain um for some long-term gain and like to that effect you, all you have to do is look at the teams below the wizards and the standings and see how much better their you know sub 24 talent is whether you're looking at Orlando or Detroit or Oklahoma City, 
it's like all these teams, you know, we would have thought um, that we would have been talking about Cleveland in that, in that vein, you know, at the beginning of the season and like, they haven't passed the Wizards, like they've lapped the Wizards. Um, and and so the Wizards, from a a long term, you know, you think about this, you know, from a corporate strategy standpoint, from a, a, a long term standpoint, they have a serious talent crisis that they need to address. Um, and you know, that's what I hope they're talking about in their in their strategy meetings right now, and not you know, what Band-Aid trade can we make to make sure that we, that we make the play-in um, because... Yeah, we don't want them giving up a first-round pick for, you know, Marquis Morris or Marcus Morris. Stop it. We can do the, we can do uh, the inverse of it, right? Like, because something Ben mentioned, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. We need to ship uh, two of Montrez and Bryant, and it has to be those two because we cannot trade Gafford, right? Well, I'm sorry, two of the three of between Rui, Montrez, and um, Thomas Bryant. And I think maybe Trez can get us a first-round pick back in return. And if he does, and if all you need to do is ship Trez to get a first-round pick, perhaps you can package uh, Denny or Rui with that first-round pick, give it to someone else, maybe at Indiana, and they'll give us either, you know, they'll, they'll bring back Sabonis. And then you have Bill and Sabonis, and you're still, what, one piece away? And then it's like, what do you, how do you package the rest of the mid to get, you know, another asset to bring back that last missing piece? So, so here's so, my issue with that. Here's my issue with that, Ron, is that, so, so I have long held the belief that great teams are, are built with depth. And, and, the, and, and here's what I mean by that is that, you know, if, 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 in theory, and I don't think it's the case, but if in theory the Wizards had enough talent capital on their roster to get another one or two, you know, top 20-ish fringe all-star players, okay, I don't think they do, but if for the sake of argument they did to get that guy, they would be a significantly worse version of the Lakers whereby they'd be like this top heavy team and just, you know, they couldn't fill out a starting lineup that they'd have to give up everything. So if, you know, if you look at going back to the, to the trades that brought KG and Ray Allen to the Celtics to play with Paul Pierce, like the reason that those worked was because the Celtics had this supporting cast left behind. They had Rondo and Tony Allen and James Posey and uh, and and uh, Leon Poe, our our man Leon Poe, Kev, and, and so it's like, and and uh, and and the same. You know, you look at the champion, the two thousand. Uh, you know, you look at the fourteen fifteen Spurs, and you look at at the, at the Nets, how they were able to to consolidate into these, you know, true uh, all league guys, because they had a roster full of relatively cheap production and like and we just don't have that and so you, you know I, I i share your optimism kevin i'm, I'm sure because he, he always you know bursts my 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 bubble and and kills my dreams you know i share your optimism that that trez could bring back a first from someone you know maybe a lot of protected first and while i'm not no big Rui fan like i don't necessarily think he has to has to go I would absolutely trade him in the right trade. But then I also think that there are teams out there who, you know, maybe like a Phoenix 
um, uh, who, who are who would look at a guy like KCP and say, hey, this guy's got championship experience. We'd love to have him coming off the bench for 25 minutes or, or you know, or we have an injury to one of our swing guys. You know, if KCP and Kuzma could bring back either a decent young player or a decent pick, like, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely move those guys. And, and the deal with the picks that you get back with those guys is, you know, the more you have of them, the greater likelihood that you, that you end up with someone that can be a building block, right? Like we, we all know enough about the draft to know that um, even the best teams are going to make mistakes. And so you need, you need more bites at the apple. You need more opportunities. Um, and, and, and I think, that's what the Wizards should be focused on right now. Yeah. I think one thing that we haven't really touched on, I've mentioned this in a, uh, when I was a guest on somebody else's podcast, but, um, and that is the idea of the Wizards making a true, like, all-in trade, like what Milwaukee did, like, you know, where you, you make that big move and you bring in somebody without giving up your core guys. And I, I don't even know who the core guys are would, would be on the Wizards, right? Beal, of course. Um, well, I guess Dinwiddie and um, other than that, get Dinwiddie out of here because you're not allowed to trade him. But other than that, you know, so do you go and you make a trade for, you know, giving up three firsts for somebody for a disgruntled star um, somewhere or for, for a, a, a guy that you think can be a star? You know, is that, is that what you do? Do you go and package a bunch of stuff and for DeMontis Sabonis? You know, not not for Sabonis, not for Sabonis, but you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm just trying yeah. to think of somebody who might. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think like like so. Who's cats this grunt to? But with Gaffer, you know, they're they're not picks for Shea Gildas Alexander. I would. <laughs> I would like. I I would. I love Shea's game. Say again. I would. Okay, I, I would say you give up like two picks. For, I would. The thing uh, is, it's just that. Okay, see, I mean, well, they just paid them, right? Like, okay, see, just yeah, gave them yeah. the max. It's like, I, I think they're starting to build. They need to build something that makes the fans come out, which they are loyal anyway, but come out and get more TV revenue um, because otherwise they, they face losing their team in Seattle. So it's time for them to start, you know, using some of that capital they have and putting together a good team. And they have the pieces. Like, I you mean, know. They're only $23 million under the salary floor. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so I, I look at that this way, guys. First team all NBA guys who, who we know aren't going to be traded. All right, Let, let's just let's just say we have, you know, LeBron, uh, Steph, Giannis, Jokic, and um, KD. Okay, those five aren't going anywhere. You know, throw Embiid into that mix from a from an impact standpoint. Also, once you start talking about guys below that tier. Who can you possibly add to the Wizards? Take 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 get ability out of this for a second. Uh, who can you add to the Wizards that's going to make them very good? No one. <laughs> like th- that's that's so so no to me that that's that answers your question, uh, Candace. Like should, be, because um, you know, like if the Wizards could trade, you know. In, in a magical world, if the Wizards could trade Davis Bertans' salary and Thomas Bryant and, and you know, and get enough an, uh, enough salary and three first-round picks for Paul George, okay? Let's just say that could happen. Um, the Wizards would be better in the short term 
Sure. Would they be sustainably good and have a chance of winning a championship? No. Like that team does not have a chance to win a championship against Brooklyn, Golden State, um, Milwaukee, Phoenix, etc. And all you've done is sort of 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 gut your um, your chances of winning in the future. And I do think that um, you know the, the irony with all of this is that I continue. You, you, you know, a lot of these decisions. I think the, the reason the organization and Ted Leonsis have been reticent to do things that would make them less competitive in the short term is the financial side of it, right? And and my long-held belief, and Ron, you know this because you grew up here and you're a basketball guy, and Kev, you know this, is that I think if this city and this region had a sustained winner, even if they never win a championship, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if this team had a had had the organizational success of of Utah or Phoenix or the Seattle Supersonics or or whatever it is, I think they would be a cash cow because this region is basketball crazy. People know the game here; they love the game here, and and, and so I think that if you know, with some job security and uh, that Tommy has, and with the you know the infrastructure that's been built in monumental basketball i think that the not only the brave but the wise thing to do would would say we need to make investments in our long-term future and that's going to take the form of of moves that are probably going to make us worse in the short term the with the asterisks that by the way sometimes these moves don't make you as bad as you think you know sometimes when you know, like the Wizards have been bad over the last couple of weeks. It's not like it's not like that the, the the roster roster changes could have even made them that much worse. You bring back the right young players, you give them the right opportunity. Sometimes, you know, sometimes young guys, you know, in the right opportunity and right situation, and end up blossoming. So I just think that like we've seen the versions of this team for so long. Um, that it's just time to breathe new life into this and, 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 uh, you know, burn down the Savannah and let it regrow. Yeah, I agree. Just, but there's, there's a faster way to do all of that, right? Like most people tank, tank, tank. We can do that. We can lose without purposefully trying to lose. Right. And the best way is what, um, what Memphis has done, uh, with the Jazz, had, like, you know, the Jazz, like, used to lose, and they started building up with Gordon Haywood, the organizational structure that you referenced. Um, and that's, like, to get some promising young talent, right? And people think Denny and Rui is that. Um, the, you know, the jury's still out. Like, we'll see. We'll see. Give them year five before we can make that analysis. But right now, we use this depth that we allegedly have to – Get some, free a young guy who cannot blossom in his role. Kevin's going to disagree with this, but here's my here's my view. We call Milwaukee. We offer you know Thomas Bryant. Hey, he could. Um, Brooke Lopez is shut. He's shut down. Big men re- rarely recover as well. Thomas Bryant is back. You know Neil back. You you want the, the guy with the ACL recovery or the bad back? Try to get Dante Divincenzo. So, boom, we, we have a guard. We get a guard back. Second call, call Atlanta. 
You want your your homegrown boy to come home, KCP? He can help. He can help. Twenty five minutes off the bench. You were one game away from. I mean, you were a couple of games away from the finals. You never know. We bring Cam Reddish here, and then you have Cam Reddish, Dante oh. DiVincenzo, and you know in the summer. Hear me out. We're almost done in the summer. You had me until Reddish. Oh man, Reddish in the right opportunity. Like I feel bad. He's starting to put it together, and he since high school. He hasn't yet been able to blossom. And I like that about him because he doesn't gripe about his role. Like he, he went to Duke knowing, okay, I'm going to be the third, the third cog in the wheel, really the fourth with the point guard. 25% usage at, at Duke. Yeah. But, and he, they went to him when they needed a bucket. Him and Art, like they went that to him. That wasn't a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. They went to him. I, I, I feel like, like, I feel like uh, Cam in a right opportunity can grow and from all reports uh well twitter gm reports he's available right so that's There's something you make maybe dante divincenzo dante divincenzo you bring the great white hope him and we the only last piece to this uh tripartite puzzle is we need brad to say i don't want to be here anymore can you sign and trade me to this team where the only way they do it is they give us back some talent and picks be uh you know, like Dante and Dante and Cam, I don't know, create a creative nickname for them. And then, boom, we're building something sustainable. Oh, I'm with you. But it's- well, I'll say this. I, I, while we may disagree a little bit on the on the specifics in terms of who to target, and then there's things like, you know, the, the, how to get those trades done cap-wise and stuff like that. I, I will, I, I do agree that um, finding young guys who maybe aren't getting the opportunity, who, 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 who your scouts, you know, your draft scouts and your NBA scouts believe can, can um, flourish is, is important because, um, you know, draft picks, you know, especially draft picks from good teams um, are, are, are limited value, right? There's, um, there's, there's risk associated with draft picks. There's a and there's a pro and con to this, but there's a time horizon associated with draft picks. Um, so uh, if if you if you can bring in if you can trade a mediocre veteran for um, an almost mediocre young guy who has the ability to be mediocre in a year or two, and in the process get some draft capital, like to me that's a good trade. Yeah. Um, uh, so 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 we agree on that. Um, I just, you know, there's only three of us on this call and, uh, Tommy Shepard hasn't dialed in yet. He must be busy, but, yeah, um, get on the line. There we go, Tommy. We know the way this is, you watch the Mandalorian. This is <laughs> of course. the way, this is the way, like, this is the way. The way. Well, no, I'm, I'm right. Right. And the thing is like, I, like, we can say, right. rather, like, no, I mean, sorry, you're right. No, I didn't mean to say I'm right. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> Like that's the thing my mom always says. It's always about you, you, you. Self-interest, self-interest, self-interest. But um, anyway, like, nah, you're right. Uh, I rather have a mediocre young guy than a mediocre 28-year-old, 29-year-old, and so forth. And, you know. So the thing is, because with the young guy, we don't know what they can become. It's that you know that jaded word potential. It's always potential. With the older guy, you are what you are. And even if you can be more, the opportunity to be more is slightly, well, no, we can't even say slightly. It's like fully closed. 
I haven't heard too many stories of 27, 28 year olds joining new teams and becoming a all NBA, I guess, like if you will. So um, the thing with Cam, we can teach him. And again, remember, if, if we get players like that and we find a way to make it work, we're not doing this with the expectation that these guys will, you know, become the franchise saviors. We're doing it with the expectation that we're building something, we're drafting, we're stockpiling talent, and we hope that it dovetails and then we have a winnable product on the floor. So that's that's like that should be the main goal versus like the who do we get back in return? It's just like, is it a young guy with untapped potential where fans will at least like buy his jersey? Like I'm not buying Spencer Dinwiddie's jersey. Like I'm not excited over that signing. He's an older guy, and that's no knock to him. Like he's he's overcome many obstacles to make it to the league. Love everything about him, just not what he's given to the Wizards, right? But I'm not buying his jersey because he's an older guy. And I'm not really that excited about it. You, you so, bring in. So I, I'm very old guy. I, I know I'm gonna upset Kevin by saying that, but I, I wouldn't buy Spencer Dinwiddie. I wouldn't buy Spencer Dinwiddie's jersey because it violates, you know, one of the rules of jersey buying. Is I don't think you're allowed to buy anyone's jersey who's younger than you. So I, I've yet to unveil it, but I did recently buy Chris Webber bullets um, throwback that uh, nice. if I ever. If I ever go back to Cap One Arena, um, you know, and and to me that's for me that's like a quintessential jersey of my Wizards fan experience because it's just it it's cloaked in sadness and like and what might have been. Could have been. Um, yeah. um, I need a Charles Jones throwback. There you go. The secret you weapon. I grew up on the Hibachi. Yeah. So, so the, you know, you do bring the funny thing about Dinwiddie is and. He has been, you know, objectively terrible over the last few weeks. But, like, as Kevin, you mentioned and you've written about, the if you take the sum total of his season to date, it's kind of in line with his career numbers. Obviously, the trend line is really bad. Um, there was a report that the Wizards wanted him to sit out the first 15 games to kind of build strength in his knee as he comes back off the ACL. Who knows if that's correct, but the report was at least there. And 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 obviously a lot of people are speculating as to his health because he's not driving, he doesn't look explosive, all that stuff. As far as Dinwiddie's concerned, like I, I would think that you know, coming off the injury like the ACL, over time he's gonna he's gonna actually get better as opposed to worse, unless he's re-injured himself or he is in the process of re-injuring himself. But but I think that like I would expect his his performance to improve, but but it just goes along with um, what what you guys were saying before is that you know when the Wizards were going well at the beginning of the year or or even the offseason, people were saying like oh like Dinwiddie you know on this team he's a potential All Star and it's like I like Spencer Dinwiddie just fine but like I think Spencer Dinwiddie's best role is like probably a six man on a really good team like that's that's probably you know um and 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 maybe not even a six man of the year kind of six man like he's a, he's a solid guy and i think um you know when you when you sign a guy this sounds staggering but when you sign a guy for 17 million dollars a year whatever they paid for him and not you know 30 you understand that like that gives that gives gets you uh 
average-ish starting point guard, or 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 maybe not even that good. Like I don't I don't think the Wizards can honestly look themselves in the mirror and say that they expect him to be an All Star. I, I think they probably think he's kind of a placeholder, which is which is what he is. Well, um, quick, so good. Quick uh, quick point to that. Well, he's not an All Star, and I have a theory that all of this bad is happening because. One, folks start shouting MVP for a, form, a former six-man uh, man of the year winner. Uh, two, um, the Russell Westbrook haters overhyped Spencer Dinwiddie, and now is coming back to bear. And three, um, Chase Hughes and all those folks started doing segments on another man's jewelry and fashion. So in my head... Yeah, like Trez, like you know, I, you know, Trez a good dude, like, but I don't care about his jury, bro. Like, get me some buckets on the court, give me some. Wait, 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 that's why, that's why Spencer Dinwiddie's production has dropped. No, not Dinwiddie. I think Dinwiddie's produ- production has dropped because he never came here uh, to win games. He's a smart guy. Like, you know, he could have went to Harvard. He's using us as seed money, and it's smart. Like, we also use our employers as seed money. So he's. He's doing. He's getting seventeen million dollars in seed money for his crypto stuff. But no, it all started, and this is a fact. Like the the losing started, and everything, the defensive rating, it all started when one we had a fashion show on um, Halloween. It's like we won that game, but we should have lost. Like Jalen makes that shot nine times out of ten, and uh, we we dodged a bullet. You having a fashion show with these players who haven't yet proved anything. Like, so that was one. Um, so I'm updating the list. It's four things. Two, stars okay. having MVP. Three, Russell Westbrook haters. Dan Whitty's better. In what world? In what world? Like, that's how you know folks have CTE, and it's, in, you know, it's a very bad problem in America. <laughs> and then fourth, the last one, it really grinds my gears, like doing fashion segments and chain segments on these guys. So it, even Trez, it got into his head because – He's like, yo, Brad, we need a show. We need a show. We had only won 10 games. You shouldn't get well, some of our treatment until you win 50. I'm convinced yeah. that we have now drilled down on what it is that ails the wizard. So this begs the question, Ron, now that you have diagnosed this, it has nothing to do with the talent level on the roster, right? It, so so how, how can the wizards go about correcting, you know, like I mean, the old the, the old uh, cliche is you know sacrifice a live chicken, but you know I don't know if you can do that in today's political climate. So 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 what do the wizards need to do to to reverse all the bad things that have brought on been brought on by jewelry segments, fashion shows, and the like? Okay, uh, so I lived in Texas, like straight out of grad school, and we say what we want down there. So that kind of like uh, rubbed off. On me, so I'll just say it frankly. Um, what we need to do is get all the mid out the door. Get the mid out the door because mid players, mid players, like role players, the best role players are the ones who play their role. Like, and that's oh, great, great analysis, right? Role players play their role. But what I mean by that is like you know what the team expects from you, and you stick to it. But you know, you shout an MVP for a guy. This dude is pouting on offense when he doesn't get the ball. Like, he's moping around, making faces, and he's, he won't take any of that frustration out on a defender he has to guard on a pick and roll. So that kind of, in my head, I think that got to his head. So, you know, that happened. Kuzma, yeah, I, I want to do more. I want to do more. I believed in him on the first episode of this podcast. Kevin and I were talking about it, and he was like, look, don't fall for it. 
this guy's not going to get better. It's not the opportunity. He, he just is what it is. Well, you know, his fashion outfit started making the rounds on the Twitter verse and stuff like that. And they probably got to his head and these guys started doing, oh, last KCP started doing more than what they could potentially do anywhere else. KCP is trying to break down defenses, get in the middle, try to create, pull up, step back jumpers. Then what he's going into is James Harden back with the step back. All of that early winning got to our head. Um, we lost our identity that we're a bunch of mid. Brad says this himself just in a more uh, professional way. He was like, we don't have any, uh, I believe the quote was, we, didn't, we ain't got all-stars. We just got a good bunch of role players, i.e. mediocre. Um, more or culture, uh, The cultural reference, they're mid. And it's just like a mid team has to come together and know like, hey, we're undermanned, we're undersized. Brad, we need you to score us points, but we got you. We're going to be dogs. We're going to fight over screens. We're going to dig in and defend. And they've stopped doing that. And like, like everyone sees it. Like the talent is the talent we have is the talent we had day one, the first game. It's not like we play out of this world in any game against anyone other than uh, that Pacers team the first time we played them. When then when he went off, so it was like. But we had this collective, um, I guess, aura about us, an air of togetherness where we're going to fight, scrap, like we're diving for balls. Like we're all together now, folks, pouting. When then when he misses, I don't see folks coming up to him, encouraging him, like, hey, perhaps the team knows something we don't know and that he ain't got it. You know, perhaps they've given up on him. Who knows? Like, I don't speculate too much into it. But we don't have that air togetherness there. And it all started, at least in my opinion, when we started bigging up these guys, like putting a man's fashion on TV. Get that off of the, fu- the TV, man. Put, put, his, put dunks up, man. So, so here's, here's what I think to, to pick up on a point that you made about the, the playing together is assuming that the Wizards don't make a trade to upgrade the roster, which, as you can see by the headline that uh, the article that is on Bullets Forever today, um, that's exactly what I think they need to do. But at any rate, assuming that that's not something that they do, the way that they can play better is by being much more focused on properly executing, playing fundamental, um, you know, fundamentally well, playing you know, setting screens properly. I think that there's some things that the coaches could do. Obviously, defensively, there's a lot more focus that they could put in. I think part of the problem is that they're undersized pretty much across the board. Um, and that, so, so that, puts some, that, that puts some challenge on the overall scheme, right? If, if you're giving up size at basically every position. Um, you know, the, Dinwiddie, obviously not, but he, he's not exactly the most mobile guy at this point. So that, that's one thing, right? But is, on the offensive end, I think there are some definite things that the coaching staff could do, like simplifying their offensive sets. Like right, right now, they run actions to get to other actions so that they can then try to attack. And, you know, if you're running an action to get to an action, just go to the action that you want to actually use to attack. Um, because you only got 24 seconds and it's uh, you know, you're, you're basically wasting time. It's, they, they do some things that kind of reminds me a little bit of some of those like ridiculous Randy Whitman sets where you like John Wall brings the ball up, throws the ball to the wing on the right, does a UCLA cut, comes out the baseline, jogs around to the other side. Meanwhile, they've reversed the ball around then they throw the ball to wall on the wing. And it's like, okay, why not just dribble the ball to the wing and start your screen roll. Right. Uh, the Bulls used to do this all the time. I think they, they, they're calling it the Chicago action where they would run a pin down into a screen roll so that they could post somebody up. 
What? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know what we do? Why, why, why do all that? I mean, you, what you've done is just run 12 seconds off the shot clock yeah. when you could actually do something to attack the basket. So um, anyway, th that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. I think the Wizards could, could simplify. They should definitely push more, um, you know, try to get the ball up the court quicker, try to play a little faster, not in the sense of trying to generate more possessions because that's not going to, you know, but in the sense of trying to get up and get easier shots because easier shots come in transition. Those are just a yeah. few things that they could do. You know, that that is something that, like, um, there's a league-wide recognition, right? You watch league pass and, like, you see a lot of teams now doing the thing where, um, you know, players are letting the ball roll up court, even if they're walking up court. So, so they pick up the, you know, if they're picking up the ball and the uh, at half court or close to it, and then they've got a full 24 seconds to run the offense. And like, I have noticed the exact same thing where it's sort of like the wizards will walk the ball up court. They'll cross half court with 16. And then, and, and because of the players they have, it, it's, it's not like they've got John Morant who's, who's flying by someone and immediately putting pressure on a defense. Like they do have to do a lot to generate shots. So I, I definitely agree on that. And, and, and Ron, I, I, I do agree with the observation that you made, which is that they do not seem to be as connected or as, um, uh, you know, the collective effort as, as, overwhelming as as early in the year i think there was a recognition i mean one of the, this is one of the things i loved about kuzma early on is that he used the word serviceable to describe their roster he's like he said you know we have a bunch of serviceable guys which is really what they have and it's sort of like okay you know the the hope is is with that recognition comes the understanding that like we have this depth of of mediocre guys so what that means is when I'm on the court. I have to play with maximal effort. I have to play with crazy defensive effort, make it as difficult as possible. And if that means I get tired and, 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 and the mediocre guy behind me comes in, um, that's fine because, you know, they, they, um, uh, they're better off in that way than trying to save their energy. Also, you know, the, the difficult part of, of that is, turns out that they're not quite as deep as we maybe thought at the beginning of the year. And they've still got this, you know, even with, with Brian Rui back, they've still got this unbalanced roster where, you know, they got three centers and four, three fours and like, they don't have the combo guard that they need. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's a tough situation. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do think there's room for improvement. I also think that, you know, we, uh, you know, we're, we're maybe apt to see that improvement after they get the crap kick out of them uh, over these next few games because the schedule's so hard. But, um, you know, who so knows? you know, this is something to pick up on a point that that, that you made, Ben, and that is that they're serviceable, yeah. But one of the things that they don't really seem to have is that like maniacal competitor. Um, you know, they're competitive because that's the only way you get to the NBA, right? You can't get to the NBA if you're not a competitive person. Well, but, they have that in Trez really? on the offensive glass. Really? Yeah, like, well, Trez is, is competitive, but he's really? also um, a little bit of a, like that Nick Van Exel kind of front runner where... Yeah, he's a bully. He's not yeah, really... he's competitive he's when his team is winning. Yeah. And when he's getting beat up, 
he's he he will yeah. he's not quite the maniacal. I'm talking about like, I mean, obviously this is like an all-time great, so this is not really like the right comparison. But like Kevin, I was gonna say Kevin Garnett, but think about like the competitiveness of a guy like Tony Allen, right? Patrick yeah. Beverly. Yeah, Patrick. Pat Beverly. So all right, we're, we are coming up. We've been at this for a, a while now, and um, I think if maybe if you, anybody's got a parting shot, we can we can go ahead and wrap it up. I think we kicked it around. And we've clearly come to the conclusion that the roster is completely fine, that it's deeply talented, that the coaching staff is perfect. And of course, the general manager is doing a great job, all because they're inspired by a magnificent owner. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I ben. just want to give a shout out to my brother, Michael, because he's one of five people that will listen to this. He's always bothering me about why I don't do hey, hey, podcasts. We've had radical growth. We're up to six people now. There you go. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thanks for having me guys. It's been, um, Ron, it's, it's fun to, uh, to see your face and to chop it up a little bit. Kevin, it's less fun to see your face, but, uh, you know, <laughs> my, um, my last part shot is, uh, I hope the team, like at least tonight, you know, find something within you to compete and not lose by double digits. A lot of us have took, taken you to cover the spread. Do not lose by double digits. So, <laughs> Uh, good luck, fellas. All right. And so we're going to wrap up. This is uh, our last episode before Christmas. We'll probably come back with another episode before the New Year. So um, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And uh, that's it. We're out.